Hello and welcome to another episode of Checkpoint, the podcast highlighting and telling the stories of influential leaders in and around the sports industry. Today, we are excited to welcome our next guest, Jared Barnes, to the show. Jared is currently the manager of former player marketing and services for the LA Rams and is passionate about all aspects of the sports community. He played his college football at the Ohio State University and has had multiple stops on his journey, both as a coach and administrator and also as an entrepreneur where he started Prime U before landing in LA. He is also the co-founder of The Lab, which is a Slack community designed for athlete development professionals across all levels of sports who are looking to collaborate, network, and grow. He now finds himself at the intersection of business, sports, and technology, and is highly regarded in the industry and is helping shape the future of sports as we know it. Jared currently lives out in LA and is busy getting ready for week one against the Cowboys, but for the next 45 minutes, he's here with us on Checkpoint. Jared, welcome to the show, my man. How you doing this morning? Scott, I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, man, I'm humbled. That was probably the coolest intro to a podcast I've ever heard. Uh, so, man, excited to jump into the conversation today. Man, I tell you, I uh, we're, we're slowly getting 1% better each time <laughs> we get on here. So I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, for all you first-time listeners, uh, we're going to take this time to, to really use this as a checkpoint, right? So we're going to hear Jared's story on how he landed in L.A., what they're currently working on over there, because God knows we are in a crazy world with sports right now. Um, and with all his acute knowledge, where he sees the industry going, you know, over the next three to five years. So, so Jared, we got a lot to unpack today. Um, what's your story, man? How, how did you end up in L.A.? You know, it's been a journey, right? And I'll, I'll give you a quick synopsis. You know, I'm originally from the Midwest. I uh, grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so grew up in a very much a, a blue collar family. And that's something I've kept with me to this day, even though I'm in L.A. Uh, football was a huge part of my life growing up. I started playing the game at six years old, ended up having the opportunity, like you said, to play at Ohio State. And being from Columbus uh, to play at a place like Ohio State was truly special. I uh, was incredibly humbled to to be a part of a program of that caliber, to be around some of the the best athletes, right, uh, even that are playing in the NFL today, uh, to be around some of the best coaches to ever coach the game, had a chance to play play for, and that ended up working for uh, Urban Meyer, um, Greg Schiano, Kerry Combs, uh, some incredible coaches, and was just so uh, grateful and blessed to be exposed to that at a young age and use sport as a vehicle to learn sport as a vehicle to uh, gain access to things that I, I, I don't know if I would have been able to gain access to otherwise. Um, and so, you know, looking back on my athletic experience, I'm incredibly grateful, uh, incredibly proud because uh, it was a journey. You know, I started my career as a walk-on, I uh, was pretty much a human tackling dummy my first uh, <laughs> couple of years and then had the opportunity to really compete uh, and go play and ended up being uh, put on scholarship. And so it was just a, an incredible journey. Uh, from a, from an athletic standpoint, and then you know ended up pursuing the NFL. Didn't make an active roster, so went back and uh, spent about a year, almost a year and a half as a coach, uh, and, and worked worked at Ohio State as an intern coach, and then went down to Clemson University and worked in administration uh, there in their student athlete development department. Um, and and again, just grateful to be exposed to another program of that caliber in Clemson athletics and see things done a little bit differently. You know, being from the Midwest and then going down to the state of South Carolina, uh, that, that was different. A different now. A little different. <laughs> but, you know, good, good, right? Because I think we are the sum total of our experiences. And so I'm grateful to have been exposed, right, and just continue to explore. And I think one thing about my journey is, I've never allowed resource to determine my imagination or determine my creativity. And I think that's been a huge driver and fuel 
uh, that in a sense allowed me to uh, gain access to this opportunity here with the Rams and been with the organization for almost a year and a half now. Uh, and as you mentioned, oversee our, our uh, former player services department, uh, really helping connect all of our alumni back to the organization, but also from a business standpoint, making sure we're storytelling our history uh, through our, our media marketing and uh, content channels. So it is uh, it has been a journey to say the least, but man, uh, special and uh, continuing along. Man, what a... Uh... What a decorated journey, right? Like, I mean, you know, you talk about the 1% of folks that get to go and play collegiate sports and then, you know, where you have found yourself was just under some of the um, the best leaders and coaches that, you know, the game has arguably seen, right? I mean, that you can put them up there with anybody. And so I'm curious, you know, as we're going through some of these um, uncharted waters, um, we like to think that athletes have the tenacity or they have the skill set. Um, you know, were there any pivotal moments when you were, you know, working with Coach Meyer or playing, you know, that walk-on journey that really stick out that, that you lean back on, um, you know, as we're still, you know, navigating the waters today? It's a great question. Uh, I would say I had a number of defining moments in my, in my athletic career. I think one that sticks out to me the most, uh, it was 2000, 2015. Uh, I was, at the time, I was a junior. Uh, Richard Jr. at the time, and I was competing, competing my butt off, man, just to, uh, to have a chance to play. Ended up having an opportunity to to play on a, uh, a primetime game, nationally televised. It was actually against uh, Rutgers University. And this is my the moment I think I'd, I'd really been working for my entire career, especially coming from a walk on, you know, not necessarily even having an opportunity to get reps in practice to now have an opportunity to not only play, but but really play uh, in, in, in a game. It was it was a huge moment for me personally. And man, I'll be honest, on my second second play, uh, I ended up giving a touch, giving up a touchdown on a double move. Uh, on national TV. And I was sick to my stomach, man. Absolutely just wanted to, oh, I don't even know if I can describe the disappointment or the pain to where you work so hard for something for so long. And then you feel like you finally have that chance and you blow it uh, and then blow it on national TV. And the day after the game, I was so ashamed that I even started packing up my locker. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to turn my stuff in. I'm done. You know, this is, I had my chance and I blew it. And one of my teammates who I, I highly regard and, and still have a ton of respect for to, to this day is Von Bell. Von Bell, he's the uh, he's a safety, played for a long time for the Saints. Now he's with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Um, and he was a close teammate, actually roommate of mine uh, in training camp. And he grabbed me by grabbed me by my, my shoulder, my shoulder, my shirt right here. And he yanked me and he said, Jared, what are you doing? And I said, man, you know, I'm just I'm going to turn to my equipment. It's, you know, I'm, I think this isn't it for me. You know, I'm, I'm going to give up. And he was like, you're too talented. You've come too far uh, to stop now. And at the time, you know, I didn't realize it, but that actually changed the entire trajectory, not only of my, my football career, but I would say of my life, uh, because that that was really one of the first times where, you know, I faced adversity, you know, in, in relationships and family uh, personally. But from a football standpoint, just because. I think you understand as an athlete, you have so much equity. Uh, you put so much into it. Uh, that, that really changed the trajectory of, of my mindset um, and ultimately my resilience. And I'm incredibly grateful for, for Vaughn to step in uh, uh, when he didn't have to. Right. And so I think for me, what I take from that experience, not only uh, they develop my resilience, but to have an eye for those opportunities where you can stand in the gap uh, for someone else to really uh, take a stand and I think to transition into what's happening now in today's landscape, right? You're seeing a lot of athletes take a stand and stand in the gap for those who 
uh, may not be able to, right? Or may not have the opportunity. Um, and those who have the platform and have the influence are now uh, doing that. And it's, it makes me incredibly proud, but also incredibly motivated to continue that myself and to continue to inspire others to do the same. So long-winded story, man, but uh, I, I think it's a, it's a powerful analogy that, that I'm incredibly grateful for, incredibly grateful for Vaughn for, for, for doing that for me, but also I know it's changed the way I think uh, moving forward. Man, I, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. And, and I mean, you know, the, the relevance of that experience and, and going through that. And, and I think where, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, through line with a lot of our guests that are successful in this industry that are forward thinking is, um, hey, failure is going to happen, right? And right, so, so I think in athletics and Vaughn, you know, may have just pushed the needle even further for you here, but fail forward. Jared, you're gonna make mistakes, right? We're all gonna make mistakes as humans, as organizations, as society, that's okay. But we have to be able to fail forward. And I think that's something that we're, we're starting to um, embrace. We're starting to talk about more. And um, it, it's really interesting to hear when you, he when you have it in a sports diet or you know a sports environment um how parallel it is to the real world of what we're experiencing right now so um really interesting story there um and goodness and there's let's let's keep going so <laughs> so so you you know you have this decorated sports background you find yourself in admissions coaching giving back to the game where did Prime U come from? Talk to me about how you transitioned all of these intangibles into an entrepreneurial venture now. No, it's a great question, Scott. You know, I'll be honest, Prime U uh, <laughs> was an incredible journey and something I actually started while I was a student athlete. Oh, wow. um, so it was actually 2013, I had attended a conference in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's called Athletes and Social Change. And I'm, I'm very uh, 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 big on just continuing to expose yourself to new perspectives. And that was something that I, that skill I had developed at a young age. And so I was 19 at the time and I went to this conference called Athletes and Social Change and started listening to other speakers, other notable athletes, um, share their story and share how at the time, back in 2013, they were creating social change um, and they were impacting people through their platform. And I think that was when the, the wheel started to, to turn for me because this was really before I would say, a uh, uh, number of athletes were speaking out. This is pre, you know, Colin Kaepernick kneeling, right? So this is this is before a lot of these um, uh, platforms now that are somewhat normalized uh, were, were kind of in effect. And so it, it was a newer concept for me and something that I, I knew. I didn't know exactly what it would look like, but I knew, okay, one day I want to be able to contribute to that and help others build their platforms, right? At a very foundational level. Fast forward uh, four years later, right? It's 2000 at the end of 2017, beginning, beginning in 2018, right? I had a number of experiences, not only as an athlete, as a coach, um, and then working in administration um, and really felt and looked myself in the mirror. I said, hey, Jared, like either you're going to take this leap and you're going to apply all of these ideas, uh, uh, all of these experiences, all of these thoughts and dreams that you spend hours writing down on paper. Uh, either you're going to you're going to act on those or you're not. Right. So it was a really kind of a go left or go right moment. And I was I was very young, didn't necessarily come from a, an MBA or didn't come from a, a you know, heavy finance background. So a lot of these uh, 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 passions I had were, were just passions. Right. I didn't necessarily have the formal training. But what I did have is that willingness to learn and the desire to take the leap. And so I took the leap um, and in a sense. Uh, had the opportunity to build a leadership leadership development platform, work with a number of teams uh, across the across college sports, across high school sports, and even a number of pro teams as well, um, and actually build out our team at Prime U 
uh, at the time, at kind of at our, our, our peak, we were a team of seven. Um, and so it's just an incredible uh, opportunity to to learn and, and kind of be in entrenched warfare, man, where you're just, you're, you're learning as you go, right? It was, in a sense, my own real life MBA uh, to not only launch a company, but build it and scale it and grow it to, you know, a number, about 30, 35 different accounts. And so it, was, it pushed me to have really fast and, and frequent feedback loops, number one, uh, and it pushed me to grow and evolve uh, at the rate as the business was as well. Because you know, as well as anyone, as an entrepreneur, uh, your business is only is, is as only as good as, as you are in a sense, yep. um, especially in the early stages before you get kind of system structure and, and scale. And so it was uh, and just an incredible opportunity for me to, to put myself out there, to swing, uh, to, to in a sense, uh, to transition back to my playing days, to just go, to just kind of put your foot in the ground and just go. Granted, looking back, uh, I have hindsight is hindsight's 2020, you know, and, and so you, you learn so much from the pursuit, but it really was the process uh, that I think uh, I benefited the most from. Uh, but not only myself, right? It was never really about me. I think my entire desire to launch Prime U is that I just, I wanted to help people so deeply, but I wanted to do it in a way that was authentic to me, right? I think if there's, if there's one thing I could say about my experience in Prime U is that I wanted to remain authentic to myself um, and do it in a way that, that you know, I thought I could use my gifts and talents uh, uh, the best, and so it was an incredible, incredible learning experience. I had a chance to meet so many different people across the industry, um, uh, in, in in a sense, build something truly special, um, yeah. and I'm incredibly grateful for it. And you know, ironically, the Rams uh, were one of our clients, and so that's really what allowed the relationship to, to foster there. And then, you know, lo and behold, an opportunity pops up, and next thing you know, I'm I'm living in LA and, and been with the organization since. Man, that that is. Um... That's incredible, Jared. And and you think, you know, I want to just go back just a little bit and, and you talk about taking a leap, right? And, um, you know, in the earlier segment, you talked about perspective and you talked about traveling and you talked about, you know, moving from the Midwest to South Carolina and, and what that's like. And, and I think one thing that I'm picking up with you is like, you've become so relatable to races, to colors, to uh, generations that, man, there's not, you haven't, limited yourself to anything. And so now you can tell the story um, and be relatable to so many folks here in this country, in this world, which I think is is so powerful. And we're seeing that more and more in leaders coming up, which is, um, man, it's just so cool. And, you know, I can relate, you know, we took a leap of faith, um, went out on a five month road trip last year, did 20,000 miles completely off the grid. And it's amazing when you take a leap and you start building for yourself, and you have that authentic voice, how some of these other problems that, you know, I experienced in the, the daily grind where I was trying to conform, uh, they just sort of wither away and you start dealing with new problems. You're able to gain capacity to help others. And so really interesting to hear, you know, sort of what led up to this position with the Rams and, and all the experiences that you were able to accumulate along the way. So, so now that we have a little taste of who you are and your journey to get here, Let's talk about the NFL because, I mean, we got – man, you guys are opening up this week in a stadium that is the most expensive thing that I've ever seen <laughs> with no fans. What has this experience been like, you know, acutely to this offseason and, um, you know, starting to navigate post or former players within this, you know, environment? Yeah, you know, first, I think just as it relates to the stadium, uh, you know, I'm humbled, right? there. I want to make sure to articulate this well. There has been – 
hundreds, if not thousands of, of, of people who have worked on the SoFi Stadium as a project over the past six years from our, our owner, Stan Kroenke, and his vision in bringing this to life uh, to the initial ribbon cutting ceremony in 2016, all the way to the ribbon cutting ceremony that took place earlier this week in 2020. Uh, and, and immense amount of people. And, you know, I've just been uh, uh, incredibly blessed to, to be a part of it for the last year and a half. But there's been so many people who have contributed to uh, uh, this this vision and this experience. And in a sense, this movement that is SoFi Stadium that's going to become not only a stadium, but an entertainment district. And, you know, you think about what it looks like to open now in the midst of not only COVID, but in the midst of social unrest. It's It's truly a unique time. But I think what makes it so special is when you think about stadiums and when you think about why sports are so great is that they bring people of all backgrounds together uh, around a common experience. It's really a social conduit uh, or, or a great way to uh, uh, transcend culture, transcend barriers, transcend whatever it is you want to transcend. Right. Sport, uh, sport. You think about sport, politics and religion. Those are the universal languages in our world. Right. And we have the opportunity to to have a stake in in, in one of those. And, and honestly, by the, the, the way the organization has taken a stand uh, just as it relates to, to social injustice has been incredibly powerful and actually had the chance to now take a stand in two of those universal languages. Right. And connects people of all backgrounds. And so it's, like I guess, I've been incredibly humbling because, you know, I, I'm certainly a contributor, but I want to make note that there are hundreds of people uh, working not only on behalf of the Rams, but of SoFi Stadium, L.A. County. Right. This is a, a cross uh, functional effort here that has been a massive undertaking, but also will produce a massive impact uh, in the years to come. And so we're excited about it. Is it different than I think we anticipated? Absolutely. Uh, and I know we, we've we've planned a number of contingency plans on what that looks like to uh, uh, welcome fans uh, uh, when it's when it's safe, when it's uh, when it's feasible. Yep. But, you know, to date, we're, we're not going to let that take away from what the opportunity is uh, and still be incredibly proud, incredibly excited about opening the stadium uh, tomorrow evening, actually. Uh, yep. And hopefully uh, beat the Dallas Cowboys while we're at it. Man, shout out to my former teammate, Gerald Everett. Um, we're going <laughs> to yeah. be tuning in, watching you guys, um, you know, hopefully take it to America's team because uh, I'm just not a fan of the Cowboys and I'm going <laughs> to say that publicly. So that's what we're doing. Um, so um, really cool. And, and now, you know, coming back to your experience with these guys, right? So you have the Rams legend community. Mm -hmm. um, you guys had all these events leading up to it and, you know, leading, you know, coming from your Ohio State days where you met that adversity, you overcame it. Um, man, you guys had things planned for this community that, I mean, I was getting excited listening to it. Dodgers games, Isaac Bruce into the Hall of Fame. How have over the last few months you've taken those experiences that were set in stone and evolved them to make sure that people are still staying engaged, um, you know, in this current environment? No, it's a great question, right? And you think about in terms of athlete engagement, that's had to evolve, uh, I guess, faster than it ever has before, right? Because the industry was primarily event-based, right? You get people in a room, that's what brings people together. You get a bunch of athletes together. You could have kind of your standard uh, uh, speaker series. You could do different uh, events, as you had mentioned, right? They, they really build and enhance community. So I had to take a step back and really rethink, number one, what does it what does engagement look like now in 2020? What does support look like now in 2020, given everything going on? And then, you know, most importantly, what does a community and sense of belonging look and feel like uh, in 2020, right? So not only from an engagement standpoint and, and kind of communication, now we're getting people together, but uh, uh, in addition to 
you know, being safe and healthy and everything and, and making sure people feel supported. Uh, but then also too, you know, making sure that, that there is a strong sense of community as well. It's presented a number of challenges. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it challenged uh, myself and I'm willing to bet a number of people across the industry as well. Uh, but one of the things I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that, that we've been able to do as an organization is maintain that connection. Uh, and we've actually, uh, not sure if you're familiar, but Kyle Muma, uh, the founder and CEO of Nextplay, uh, we've been able to utilize his app uh, to actually build out a Rams Legends community app that is served in a sense as our closed network, right? That has allowed us to keep our, our, our guys not only uh, informed, uh, but engaged, right? And uh, the NFL CBA uh, passed earlier this year in April. And while, you know, there's a lot of coverage around it from today's uh, players' contracts, it actually greatly has a tremendous influence and impact on former players and what their benefits struck and, and structure looks like. And so that was a huge push for us is making sure everyone's aware of their benefits and what's available to them. Uh, because, you know, life as an NFL player, it's certainly – there is so much that comes with it, but there's also, uh, man, there's there's a lot of, of challenges that come with it as well. Uh, and so, you know, it just it, for for my role as someone in, in my seat across the league, right? Every team has uh, either a team or a number of representatives uh, who work on behalf of former players. In addition to the NFLPA, in addition to uh, the NFL's former player services and retired player services, right? We are all rallying together uh, to make sure. Uh, that, that our former players are supported, that they're informed, right? Because what happens is when you leave that locker room, and you know this, Scott, when you leave that locker room, that that community, that support, that communication, it's a it's a pretty steep drop off, yep. right? It's it is boom, uh, and it's like wow, I'm I'm now in a, in the real world, I'm in a different environment, right? So we, in a in a virtual world, you have to over index on that communication, over index on that support, you know, calling for no other reason than just to call and check in. Right. You know, don't necessarily have the the opportunity or the luxury just yet to to gather in person. Uh, but but in the interim, doing different things virtually, but most importantly, keeping up the communication uh, and making sure uh, everyone feels supported, engaged. Uh, and that sense of community is still there. I think it's absolutely critical uh, to maintain that because you can think about, you know, what the world really needs right now and why people are gravitating so heavily towards sport is that sport gives people hope. Right. And, and community gives people hope. Connection gives people hope. Right. So I think, again, it's been humbling for someone in my role. It's um, I think about how can I how can I give our community a sense of hope today? What does that look like? And that's a, it's a big question. But to break it down on a granular level, it could be as simple as giving someone a phone call or, you know, a larger scale of like, hey, let's organize this this virtual event. You know, we got a watch party going on tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be watching the game uh, just over YouTube TV, catching, you know, uh, the Rams play the Cowboys there. But making sure guys feel included in the process. That's so, so important. Amazing. And, and you know, one thing that you've done as a, as a co-founder of the lab is you not only talk to talk, but you walk the walk. And shout out to Kyle Muma. I know he's a member in the Athlete Development Lab. And, um, you know, we're going to come back and touch on that, you know, because yeah. that we're going to unpack that whole environment, which you've created that is really changing the landscape of sport. But, you know, before we move on from this engagement piece, um, one thing that I wanted to specifically ask you was, as we see name, image, and likeness starting to come on the landscape, um, for athletes developing their online brand, um, you know, earlier and earlier. Do you think that that's going to change the behavior and drive more player engagement um, as these athletes are going to be now accustomed to doing this, you know, way earlier in their career? Or how do you see that iteration um, 
of the law changing what you guys currently you know face right now with trying to get these players engaged after they finish and hang up the cleats you know it's it's a great question and this statement may sound crazy but i think despite all of the challenges that have been placed in front of us i actually think what has happened and how the industry has evolved is is a blessing because you know when name image and likeness comes into effect support is going to look different the conversations are going to look different um uh, engagement itself is going to look different because there's going to be another set of layers and another set of stakeholders involved in the conversation now where before typically the key stakeholders in the athlete lifestyle at least at the collegiate level are you know the coach uh, athletic trainer uh maybe a professor academic advisor you know your parents Right. And, you know, outside of that, those are some some pretty influential key stakeholders. Yeah. But now what's going to happen in addition to those, you're going to start to have brands come in as key stakeholders. You're going to start to have agents come in as key stakeholders. You may have uh, uh, even their own you know, athletes will form their own LLC and have um, potentially even employees or other individuals. Right. There's the number of key stakeholders is going to increase. Yep. Right. So with that, the number, the, the amount of support must increase with it. Or that's when I think problems are going to start to arise. And it's a tremendous opportunity, no doubt about it. So I want to make sure to, to lead with that. But I think as we think about the evolution of sport, as the evolution, uh, as, as excuse me, as the definition of what it means to be a student athlete evolves. Right. The definition of student athlete support is going to evolve with it as well. Um, and it's, it's going to be really unique, right? I think it's tremendously impactful and certainly a, a, an incredible amount of upside for student athletes to monetize uh, their name, image, likeness and their brand and be able to benefit from that. But, you know, me, myself being at the professional level and seeing the pros, but also the challenges and, and unique uh, uh, scenarios that come with that. Um, I think there's going to be an added and needed added layer of support as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it is it is very interesting as it relates to the athlete. And I think one of the things that no one is talking about and you alluded to it earlier, just as we were catching up before the show uh, and Dak Prescott, you know, coming out and sharing his, uh, uh, his, his his battles with mental health, which I greatly admire his courage for. I think you're going to start to see more and more student athletes uh, be vocal about mental health, because if you think about it, if you're now sponsored, if I'm 19 years old, I'm a student athlete at University of, of Alabama just for example, and I'm now sponsored by Nike and a host of local car dealerships or a grocery store in Tuscaloosa. How much more pressure do I now feel when I'm competing? Or if I, you know, uh, if I, I, you know, sprain my ankle and I'm out two weeks, what does that mean for my sponsorship? Right. Uh, I, I think you're going to start to see more, the, the pressure uh, uh, um, uh, on the student athlete experience evolve. Right. You're going to start to see parents being more involved in the student athlete experience as well. So, Again, incredible amount of upside, uh, incredible amount of impact for both the athlete and the brands involved, right? Me coming from a marketing perspective, but uh, from a, a support perspective, I think that's also going to need to have some systems and structures in play to see that through. Yep. And and big shout out to one of our prior guests, Eric Cusin, who's running the hashtag Same Here Movement, um, you know, featuring CEOs and professional athletes, giving them a platform to say, hey, you know what? Like we all go through this and the more that we get entrenched in um, in this game and the earlier we get entrenched in this game, um, we have to break that stigma. And I think, you know, Dak coming out, um, even though he's a little bit later in his career and he's established, it's still unbelievable to say, like, there's somebody that I see that I look up to that has this voice and platform. And if they're experiencing it, 
chances are that we are, you know, down here as well. And so, um, you know, I think that I think that this is going to humanize the game and it's not going to be shut up and dribble. It's not going to be the dumb jock. It's going to be this is Jared Barnes, a human, a brand, a athlete. And we're going to start to create a more holistic version of this person um, where an athlete is just one component of what makes them up as their brand. Now, with all that change, Jared, there's a ton of room for opportunity, innovation, and you, my friend, are pioneering the lab, which is just a culmination of all these thought leaders and you know like-minded folks in the sports community. Um, why don't you tell the listeners sort of what that Slack channel looks like, why you created it, and some of the unique conversations that are coming out of there? Yeah, it's a great question. I appreciate you bringing it up. And I uh, I agree with you. One, I want to backtrack a little bit. I agree with you that the, the athlete will now be much more uh, holistic, right? Not that they, not that the student athlete wasn't before, but I think it, it presents a unique opportunity for athletes to redefine what's possible, right? And I think that's what gets me really excited uh, about name, image, and likeness and, and just the opportunity that it presents. Uh, but as it relates to the lab, you know, I'll be honest, uh, when, when COVID hit back in March, uh, I think like a lot of, of of people, a lot of working professionals just wanted to find ways to to connect and kind of use this unique time well, right? I think for the first time in my life, personally, I had a lot of downtime and like, man, you know, what, 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 what can we do with this time? How can we get better through this time? How can we benefit and, and, and help others through this time? And so, you know, started a Slack channel and said, shot a text to a few, a few of my colleagues and said, hey, let's all jump in this Slack and, you know, maybe have some dialogue. It's kind of a glorified group chat. And, yep. you know, organically, uh, man, over over a number of weeks and months, it, it grew and almost at uh, 300 members now at this point. So still still a small group. But I think uh, to your point, uh, it's been incredibly uh, impactful conversations. Right. And I think one thing about sports, right, if you think about what the value that the lab presents is that we bring perspectives from across the industry, perspectives from not just uh, across sport, but those who uh, have influence on sport as well, right? You have a number of sports tech entrepreneurs, you have yourself, you have former athletes, you have uh, professionals in sports business. Um, and so it's been uh, an incredible ecosystem, right, that we're building. And I think because it's been all organic and hadn't necessarily put any uh, paid media behind it, I think that's also what's made it so special. Uh, we're still excited and, and definitely looking to grow it. And you probably will see some paid media coming here soon to, to yeah. kind of grow and scale it. But I think to date, right, it's, it's I think, reminded me and channeled my, my inner entrepreneurial roots, right, of, of just what it means to create, what it means to bring people together. And at the end of the day, all entrepreneurship is, is, is solving a problem. Right. So, you know, I think our intent at the launch of, of the lab was to uh, bring people together. Right. Those who are just looking to connect, looking exactly like you, you opened up with. Right. Like learning to looking to collaborate, network and grow throughout their career. Um, and so it's been special. It has been an incredibly special ecosystem that we're really excited about and, and, and definitely continue to grow. Man, I, uh, I have to thank you because, you know, as Czech, we are coming in and modernizing the way, um, you know, funds are distributed, right? Whether that's per diem for recruiting or um, on road trips, um, you know, we're doing a multitude of things and it was an unbelievable channel for us to come in, tell our story and not only tell our story, but learn what other new innovative platforms, where the industry's really going, right? So the next plays of the world or the sports finders or, or the MBAs that are coming out of Stanford and UCLA that, are, you know, have a really unique 
perspective of um, you know where this industry is going. So um, as a as a current member, thank you and Bryce only and everybody for you know putting that together. Um, for all you listeners, we're going to go ahead and post the link to the lab. Um, if you have the slightest inkling about sports, what's going on um, from in the you know the back office to you know what's happening on the field, highly recommend you guys join that. So. Um, you know, Jared, as we start to look to the future, right, we'll use the lab and, and some of that forward facing technology and conversation. Uh, where do you see the, you know, the sports world going over the next three to five years? And I know that's really broad. So feel free to narrow that down to <laughs> your lens. But um, what are some of the big things that, that we should be on the lookout for? You know, that's a uh, that is an intriguing and exciting question and almost an intimidating question as well, because yep. there are so many different verticals uh, sport as the industry continues to grow and the market continues to grow as well. I think to, to, to hone in on a couple of different verticals. Right. And I'll, I'll speak to the, the fan engagement vertical and then maybe to the athlete development vertical as well, just to kind of hone in on what that looks like. I think the fan engagement vertical and we alluded to it, name, image, likeness. Right. But I think as sport continues to evolve, as will uh, avid fandom and what that means and how people are seeking out their favorite athletes, how people are seeking out uh, sports content, as you're seeing a number of these OTT platforms pop up, as people seek out uh, uh, ways to support their favorite player or team and new avenues in e-commerce and merchandise, right? Um, uh, you're seeing fans lean into uh, be becoming more and more avid uh, in the future. And so it's, it is really unique to see the influence of sport continue to grow and deepen its roots, even in markets where, you know, traditionally, uh, you think about, you know, these small market or you know, small, small towns, large markets like a Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Clemson, South Carolina, a college station, Texas, those, those fans are becoming more and more avid and the roots are becoming deeper, but also the scale of that is becoming more broad, right? You're seeing uh, sport take a more global, have a more global footprint. Uh, you're seeing casual fans become more avid fans and lean into sport because sport, again, as we alluded to earlier, is, is transcending um, uh, uh, multiple languages and barriers that it hasn't in the past. And so you're seeing those avid fan or casual fans, excuse me, come across a, a tweet or, or, or certain things and uh, on social media and like now beginning to lean in more and more. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's very unique. I think in the next three to five years, you're going to start to see college, both the influence of college sports and, and major sport leagues like the NFL, NBA um, uh, and MLS uh, continue to grow. Uh, continue to expand and have a more global footprint, uh, but also have a deeper footprint here in, in the States. And I think to even hone in on that even more, uh, you're going to start to see more personalization uh, of fan engagement and what it means to experience a game, right? You know, who knows, maybe one day I may tune into a, a game like this and watch a live interview post game just on my computer, you know, queued up, right? There's, yeah. there's so many different platforms, startups and technology that is uh, both emerging and uh, innovation has continued to to spur on more and more. Uh, I can speak to the Rams. We actually just launched a uh, as a, actually today it'll launch uh, our our virtual fan experience. It's an AR experience that you can actually go in and get 360 views of SoFi Stadium right right here in your living room, just on your phone uh, on on a cloud link. Right, so it's it's incredibly uh, exciting to see that that's possible. Right, who who even thought that was possible? A number of years ago, uh, where you get to see inside the locker room on the field, feel that rush of running out of the tunnel all on your phone. Right. And so you're going to start to see that personalization more and more and more. And that's, again, why I think you're going to see these different audiences being 
uh, uh, connected and in, 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 uh, in a sense engaged. And you look at how esports is now transcending that as well. And you're seeing the NFL and, and traditional sports transition over into esports, right? So you're seeing yeah. these different crossovers. Um, and again, I'm speaking at a very high level here and yeah. not, not getting into the granular, right? But I think just at a macro level, it's really interesting to see. And I think the last thing too, right? Just as it relates to, to fan engagement is is really the rise of women's sports and something I have tremendous respect for. And, you know, even here in Los Angeles in our market, uh, we've had Angel City FC make a huge announcement um, and we're really excited uh, about their franchise coming in 2022. But I think, again, the the reach of sport is continuing to grow. Women's sports is being a trailblazer and a catalyst for that. Um, and so that is really, really exciting to see, uh, because at the end of the day, it, it, it grows the level of influence. And then just to transition briefly to athlete development. Um, and I get excited about this, man. So I apologize. Oh, hold on. So before, you transition, before you yeah. transition, man, can you. Did you ever think when you were playing football back in the early 2000s, you know, I graduated high school in 09, played my ball, you know, 10 to 14. Did you ever think that there would be an augmented reality experience of a stadium or putting on an Oculus virtual reality, you know, like that was so dystopian. Like, I mean, at that point I was like, I was still trying to figure out my MySpace top eight friends you know, <laughs> and to think that like, we're at the point of really going mainstream with AR and VR. Um, and, and this is still just the tip of the iceberg. Um, it's going to be really fun Jared to come back in a couple years and, and think about, man, this is what we were thinking. And then in three years, this is where we're at. And I think it's just going to be so much more than we could ever imagine. Um, but that's a definitely an interesting perspective on the fan side. Let's hear what you got for the athlete development, because I'm curious on that too. You know, and to just briefly say, right, the speed of innovation has dramatically uh, accelerated and dramatically shifted, right? I think because of the demand, because of the consumer demand, if you're looking at it from a flywheel perspective, the consumer demand has generated that speed of innovation, that speed of innovation has generated more consumer demand, right? So it's, it is kind of the chicken or the egg, but it's, I think that's what makes it exciting. And then as it relates to athlete development, you know, obviously fan engagement is becoming more personalized, truly believe as will athlete development, right? You look at a number of uh, startups, right? Home court, uh, another uh, AI platform that you can individually train uh, uh, basketball, right? You can get coaching and feedback. You're seeing AI coaches, uh, um, you know, both in football and basketball begin to emerge. You're seeing Nike just launched their uh, 11 online uh, coaching platform uh, that allows athletes to get feedback and, and submit videos as well. Uh, so you're seeing more and more personalization, right, of, of athlete development and, and training uh, of what it, you know, really what elite performance looks like is becoming more and more specialized, right? So the support systems, as we alluded to earlier, are also becoming more and more specialized. And you're seeing, you know, specialists rather than generalists, right? And I think that could go for kind of consumer trends in general, right? If, if you think about 10 years ago, you had a lot of individuals enter the workforce as a generalist and they did a lot of things, where now you're seeing roles uh, become more and more specialized and more and more niche focused to provide a specific service for a specific set of individuals. And I think that's where the, the field of, of athlete performance specifically, but also athlete development and engagement is going to go as well uh, in order to serve the needs of uh, the, the needs that have been created, if that makes sense. So no, it makes it's, kind of sense. It's, it's interesting to see, but also uh, incredibly exciting. 
Yeah, and, and and you know, I mean, this this for me, like listening to it is so exciting. But in that same vein, if we don't go back and lay a good foundation with mental health and financial literacy and have these pillars, then all of this excitement can just go so sideways. It could go the wrong way where you don't know how to interact with technology and decompress and still be a human being. And so, um, you know, it's again, that chicken or the egg, but I think that it is paramount that we start going into the nucleus and laying a solid foundation for these individuals that are gonna be coming through this more evolved sports vacuum um, so that they're able to go ahead and handle the pressure of, you know, earlier sports deals with agents and in interacting in a more specialized um, environment with technology. Because let's face it, this is all the unknown for us, but we do know that we can control our breathing. We can control certain aspects um, that regardless of what situation we find ourselves in, whether it's in business or sport, um, you know, we can at least separate and be a human for a little bit, which I think for me is always finding that balance of, Hell yeah, let's advance, but okay, let's not completely get rid of everything that's a human because we watched Ex Machina last night and <laughs> man, it's a little scary, but we that's for another show, Jared. So, um, <laughs> really interesting insight. Uh, you know, as we start to wind down, um, this has been an incredible journey of your life, just and I know we're just scratching the surface, but um, one of the questions we've been asking all of our guests um, is more personal. So, we're going to take a step outside of your, your sports lane here, but um, you know, Jared, if you could let the listeners know and tell them one thing that you've done in your life that you would recommend they do or experience in theirs, what would that be and why? You know, it's a great question. And I think for me, we kind of talked about it earlier a little bit, just as it relates to perspective. And one of the things that I was incredibly blessed with is I had the opportunity to travel internationally uh, pre-COVID, of course, (laughs) Um, travel internationally a number of times. And Uh, I'll tell you what, I had a defining moment. I took two trips that really stood out to me. One was to Trinidad and Tobago, and the other one was to Tokyo, Japan. And both trips opened my eyes and allowed me to uh, understand and, in a sense, be exposed to new perspectives, new cultures, new ways of life, and most importantly, new ways of thinking that I wasn't previously exposed to before. And I go to, you know, a place like Trinidad and Tobago, and I see uh, uh, be, you know, be able to be a part of the island culture and see all that, that, that what that entails and see uh, them playing cricket uh, uh, and uh, uh, soccer just, you know, with little to no equipment, right? It, it was incredibly humbling, right? Coming from a, a place like Ohio State where you pretty much have any need that you have, it's taken care of, yeah. right? And so to see that in a different context uh, was incredibly humbling and to come alongside uh, uh, Trinidadian people um, was one of my most favorite and special memories, but it's something that I carry very closely with me today. And then very similar when I went to, to Tokyo, this is actually in 2017, uh, as they were building towards the then 2020 Olympics, now 2021 Olympics, uh, to see and experience a culture that had such a deep reverence for history, uh, such a deep uh, level of tradition, uh, again, was incredibly humbling, right? I think America is uh, an incredible country, Right. But to to go to a place like Japan and, and see just a different level of, of reverence for history um, uh, again, just to be ex- excuse me, exposed to that uh, was absolutely incredible. And so I share those two experiences. You know, I had a chance to, to travel to a number of different countries, but those two really stood out to me the most uh, because, they again, it shapes it shapes who you are. It shapes the lens in which you see the world. And now for me, you know, I'm grateful. I, obviously, the NFL is an incredible platform around it. Right. And it's an incredible opportunity that that I've been blessed with. But 
I'm, I'm grateful for it because I've been able to see a wide range of perspectives, right? And bring that to the table where, you know, I am uh, didn't necessarily go to an Ivy League school or anything of that nature, but I, I would say I've been uh, uh, blessed with, with real world education and exposure in that front. So if there's something I would encourage anyone to do, it'd be to travel, travel internationally or not necessarily internationally, travel outside of your comfort zone. I'll say that because it might be a little bit hard to travel internationally now, but travel outside of your comfort zone. That could be anywhere from down the street to a, a new neighborhood that you haven't seen before, or it could be to a new country uh, when, it, when it becomes safe. So those uh, for me uh, stood out and I, I would say have a significant, significant um, uh, play in hand in who I am today. That's awesome. And, and for all you listeners out there, I don't know if you believe it, but one of my foundation principles is that success leaves clues. And this human is beyond successful for in so many different ways, um, making impacts in our community in so many different ways. And so, um, you know, if you take anything away from today, it's take a leap and start compounding and building those confidence. And before you know it, you're going to be doing stuff that you didn't even think was possible. And, and on that note, Jared, um, we would love to, for you to let the listeners know how to get in touch with you, the lab, so that they can continue to, um, you know, absorb the knowledge and content that you're putting out, you know, each day. Absolutely. Yeah. Feel free to check us out on the lab. It's thelabcommunity.com. And I'm, I'm a big email guy. So feel free to send me an email. It's Jared, J-A-R-R-O-D dot Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S at thelabcommunity.com. Uh, I'll make sure I'll get back to you in 24, 48 hours, but always happy to, to have dialogue, conversation, but feel free to reach out anytime. And, and Scott, man, thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. Thank you. Doing, what, what you're doing is phenomenal. Uh, this has been a phenomenal experience. So thanks again for having me. Oh man, this is, and, and if it was good for you, then it was great for me. It was, uh, 45 minutes well spent. Jared Barnes with the LA Rams and the athletic or athlete development lab. Thank you for coming on checkpoint and for all you listeners until next time, check yourself. <laughs>